It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a, let's see, it's a Monday, August 15th, halfway through the wonderful month of August. The LA Galaxy get their first win of the month, 5-2 win over the Vancouver Whitecaps. So, um, I don't know, that was exciting, that was fun, people enjoyed it, five goals, that's a lot for the Galaxy. Haven't done that actually in a, in a pretty long time. We're going to talk about the stats, talk about the play, talk about the guys who started, talk about the guys who didn't start. Uh, we got some rumors involved. Did Ricky uh, Ricky Pooch get his his visa? We don't know, but we're going to talk about that a little bit too, uh, and get you ready for a. It's a pretty big game, a monumental game actually for this season. Uh, the Seattle Sounders coming to town on Friday, so a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. And in order to help me do that, he's uh, back on the pod as he always is on Mondays. It's Kevin the Panda Baxter. Kev, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how come I didn't get consulted on that countdown clock that you ran? Because Aren't I like co-producer of graphics or something like that yeah sure if you want to say you are you can we don't even like i don't even let you pick topics on the show why would you think i would let you pick graphics well you tell me about topics you just say here's what we're going to talk about yep and then i i have to nod and then you say then you say yes sir i appreciate your hard work for for all that you do right that's what that's what you say that's right i say yes sir okay good just just wanted to just wanted to make sure that that was uh that was how that works. Well, uh, we're glad to uh, to be back. A little different circumstances here, Kevin. I mean, the Galaxy actually won a game. Uh, it feels like and, it's- and the five goals you mentioned were a lot. That that's the their equal uh, output for the previous four games combined. Yeah, it, it it is a lot. As a matter of fact, the the five goals is the most goals they've scored since. Uh, 2019, right? 2019 was whenever they uh, they beat uh, Sporting Kansas City 7-2. That was when Zlatan had a hat trick. Joe Corona, Ariel Antuna scored. Sebastian Legette had two goals. That was on uh, Sunday, Sunday, September 15th, 2019. So towards the end of the season. That was before COVID. That's how far long ago that it, was. It was. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the four first half goals were enough uh, that it was the most first half goals the Galaxy have scored since 2016. So that's Bruce Arena days. 2016, well, it was Saturday, April 23rd, 2016. Jossi Zardes, Mike McGee, Ima Boateng, and Giovanni Dos Santos all scored in the first half of a 5-2 victory. Same same total number there of Real Salt Lake. April 23rd, 2016. None of those guys are there. Who scored in the seven-goal game? The seven-goal game was Zlatan times three, uh, the hat trick, okay. Corona, Antuna, Legit times two. None of those guys are there either. So, yeah, none of those guys are here either. Another interesting thing is the win ended a seven-game uh, winless streak against Western Conference opponents, which is important because that's the conference the Galaxy play in. I was going to say, uh, and, and they, they need to they need to beat those uh, opponents to get into the playoffs. You know, they're six ten and two now against the Western Conference. Yeah, um, and again, this is the uh, there are they're in sixth place now. Yes, um, back above the line. Back above the line. They're back above the line. They're four points out of fifth place, mm-hmm. which is Real Salt Lake. But they're only three points ahead of 11th place, Vancouver. There are eight teams within eight points uh, fighting for the last uh, three or four playoff berths. So, uh, you know, the, the Galaxy, they play Seattle, which would be a big game because Seattle is, is a team right below them. Right. Then they go over to the East Coast where they've actually done pretty well. And they play New England and Toronto. I don't, I don't know that you I don't know that you want to play Toronto right now, by the way. Those guys look no. like a buzzsaw up there. Yeah, they look really good. And 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 Bruce Arena's team in New England's fighting for a playoff berth. 
that that's going to be a difficult road swing for them because it's games that they have to win. But it, 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 it it's not like a Western Conference game. The thing with a Western Conference game is the points kind of count double kind because of. if you get three points, you deny the other your opponent three points. When you play an Eastern Conference team, it doesn't work that way. You just get whatever points you get. It doesn't really help you in the standings. You have to rely on somebody else to defeat those other teams for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the worst it, case scenario though is if you if you win those games, is that you at least keep at least keep pace of where you were, right? But if you don't win those Eastern Conference games, you lose it. Um, and, and the you, Galaxy have a game in hand against the other teams they're competing with. That San, I believe it's San Jose yep. that they have to play the game at Stanford. Now San Jose beat them the first time. But when you look at where San Jose is in the standings and how they're playing, that's a winnable game, even though it's going to be at Stanford. Well, I don't know if it's going to be at Stanford now. With I, I think it is. Going. I think it's going to be at Stanford. Still? Yeah, I think it's still at Stanford. And I think that it's also during an international break. So anything that you wanted to say about that, there could be guys missing for that game um, for the LA Galaxy. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, really interesting. Another just to show you how wacky everything was on uh, on this particular Saturday. Uh, there were seven games on Saturday that featured at least five goals, the most on a single day in MLS history, breaking the record of six such games set when Kevin last Saturday. So we are in a, uh, a, a, a boom of goals in Major League Soccer right now. And I think as much as people, I think some people are saying, well, see, it shows that they're, the parody is starting to go away because you're seeing all these goals. No, to me, it's like it's showing that parody is alive and well. People are beating the ever-living crap out of each other. But at the same time, right, it's it's like it's not the same team doing it over and over and over and over again, right, for the most part, um, outside of LAFC, who's absolutely dominating and running away from things. And I think if you're a Galaxy fan, you would hope that they continue to do that because they're taking points away from other Western Conference opponents as they do it. Um, so anybody who has to play them coming down the stretch here uh, is uh, whether I guess people like it or not, uh, an, a, an ally there uh, for the LA Galaxy in, in trying to get the points. I saw my first prediction today, Kevin, too, that showed that the playoff line in the Western Conference is might be at 46 points. We talked about 48 being the magic number because it sort of has been in years past. But with an extra team, we talked about teams taking points from each other and where it is for the first one I saw of cutoff of 46 points. So keep that in mind as we go down. I actually, uh, you and I have talked about that a bunch. And I know on the podcast we've talked, I've actually expected it to come down off of 48 points. So 46 is about where I think 46, 45 might be that seventh spot. And there are some teams behind the galaxy that I, I think we would have considered they'd be much higher in the standings at this point in the season. Nashville struggling a little bit. They're behind the galaxy. So is Seattle, you know, Seattle, it became the first MLS team to win the CONCACAF champions league this year. And since then, They've kind of been a, a hot mess, um, and, and they're the team coming in to play the Galaxy on Friday in, in what is a very important game for both teams. Yeah. Um, by the way, the, the goal scoring, the average goals in MLS this season, 2.93. That would be one of the higher scoring seasons, not the highest scoring season. There was one more than one season when there were over three goals a, a, a game, but 2.93 is pretty high. A, a lot of uh, a lot of investment in offense this year uh, for Major League Soccer teams, not so much on the defensive side, and I think you're seeing um, sort of that fall away. The Galaxy's still not a horrible defensive team. I know despite giving up a whole bunch of goals and doing all those crazy things, not a horrible defensive team. Um, the two goals they gave up last night, one of them was very soft, and one of them was actually a pretty good goal. Um, I'm not sure that you would you would sit there and knock the uh, the second half goal from Ricketts on that one. Just a, a good movement by Vancouver, and and we're able to peel the Galaxy apart. That being said, five goals from the LA Galaxy. Let's talk about it a little bit. Well, what I want to ask you is, it, and, and we're going to get to this. I know it's it, the Galaxy playing one of their better games of the season, but was it because the Galaxy played really well, and this is the team that they are, or is it, is Vancouver just that bad? Vancouver was missing people. I'm not going to say Vancouver was good. You can't say that. Um, they gave the Galaxy space and the Galaxy exploited that. I've seen this Galaxy team play bad teams and lose, uh, and that did not happen in this case. So, yes, absolutely 100% Vancouver was not good on the night. Their three-man back line got torn to little pieces. Uh, but bottom line is that we've seen guys like Sam Grantier, we've seen guys like Kevin Cabral get into those positions before Kevin um, and not convert, not make the pass, and not make the shot, not do those things. And in this game... Uh, if you want the story of why the LA Galaxy were successful, why in this game they were able to score five goals, it's, it's simply a matter of finishing, right? Finishing your chances because the Galaxy had some chances and they converted those chances. They created some chances because of the space that Vancouver allowed them to do. Victor Vasquez goals, great, great example of, of allowing too much space to somebody like Victor Vasquez, right? Um, so you get that, you know, Chicharito with, uh, with, with scoring the penalty kick. 
scoring first and finishing. That's the story of this game. Um, if we go, well, and Chicharito yeah. with a goal and an assist. You know, everyone talks about Chicharito being a poacher, not a playmaker. It's only the second time in his Galaxy career he's had a goal and an assist in the same game. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, and I, I think that if you're if you're looking at what the you know what the LA Galaxy need to do or or sort of where they they need to go from here, it's we've talked about this team having momentum, Kevin. We've talked about this team doing the things that that they need to do. One is beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, right? And so they did that here. But now they're coming up against a Seattle team. This is about carrying momentum, and it's what's one thing we have not seen since Greg Vanny turned over is the LA Galaxy carrying any sort of momentum. Most games they've won in a row under Greg Vanny is two. All right. And they haven't won two in a row since April. Yeah. And and a lot of that has to do with, by the way, allowing the first goal. Um, I have the chart later that we can sort of take a look at and and, and see if they're uh if they're there. But yeah, I mean that's, that's your favorite chart. It is one of my favorite charts. Absolutely. Um if there's if there's some good news, can I give you so here's here's good news for Seattle, okay, and good news for the LA Galaxy. Um, which is interesting that I'm gonna give both good news is sort of at the same time. Um, but this chart, a little hard to read, but I will interpret it for you. Uh, through 12 games, or excuse me, through uh, through 24 games, the LA Galaxy have 33 points. In 2012, the LA Galaxy, through 24 games, had 33 points. So as much as we would like to say, Seattle, you have not been good, and you have not played well, and you, have, you probably don't deserve to make the playoffs for the first time in your history, there is every chance that the Seattle Sounders could still win an MLS Cup this year if they turn it on right about now. Um, that also goes for the LA Galaxy. Now, I'm not saying MLS Cup, but certainly in terms of playoff positions, and remember, it was weaker back then, right? Weaker conferences, certainly not as many teams, a little bit easier to sort of progress your way into the playoffs, and the Galaxy sort of snuck in. The thing you have to remember here is that the LA Galaxy in 2012 didn't start winning right now. They had already been winning throughout the summer. They had such a slow start that they needed to start winning at like the beginning of June. And so they went through the summer months and they were winning all through the summer. And that's what brought them here. This is an LA Galaxy team that is not that same, Kevin. We do not have a team that is on a roll. We do not have a team that is feeling through the roof confidence that they've been there before and they've done that. Although I think that they should feel confident heading into the Seattle game. I think that they will carry that forward. I think that Sam Grancier and Kevin Cabral absolutely will be high on life whenever it comes to just their confidence that they gain from that game, because that game alone really should show the both of them that they're able and capable to play in major league soccer. Uh, somebody said, I said, you know, you really need to see this Sam Grancier for the, for the next 10 games. You need to see that Kevin Cabral for the next 10 games where they're not going to have the same space that they had against Vancouver. But you need to see that. And somebody said, no, those guys aren't capable of that. I'm like, I don't need them to be capable of doing it for 34 games. I need them to fool everybody for the next 10 games that they know what they're doing, because that's what the Galaxy need. That's why Saturday was so uh, such an interesting game, because you can't say they can't do it when they when you've seen them do it. They have. I mean, they did it once. They can do it again. You would think they could do it again. So. Again, was this the real Galaxy team? Can they play to this level consistently? You make a good point, though, about getting hot for the playoffs. You know, this is what the Bruce Arena teams, I think, were famous for this. They generally started slow, finished fast, and what happens? They carry that momentum into the playoffs. The playoffs are generally won. Look at the number of Supporter Shield teams that have won the MLS Cup. It's very low. It's generally a lot of times a team at the bottom, fourth, fifth, sixth in the standings, that get in riding some momentum. And then go on and win. Just like in baseball, a lot of times the wild card teams do really well. It's the teams that have that momentum at the end. So if the Galaxy get hot now, they could carry that momentum in the playoffs and it could carry them. I, I like Seattle better in that scenario because all those guys have been there and done that. Yeah. When you look at the Galaxy, the coaching staff, extremely experienced. Greg Vanny and Kalishman Kal- and Hartman, very experienced with, with the playoffs. The players, not so much. Look at right. this team. You know, who's uh, Araujo's been in the playoffs, Victor Vasquez, but for a uh, question, but for the most part of the frontline guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, none of them have had a, pl- a playoff experience. Um, Chicharito certainly hasn't been there. Grancier, Cabral, yeah. Bergman. I, I um, don't know that you can knock Chicharito for not having, like, I think he's had plenty of experience that will do well in a playoff scenario, right? He's been in knockout games. He's done that. He's not the one that you're worried about in terms of, you know, experience. I would say that oh, so you're going to, you're going to compare a world cup and, and Manchester United and, and champions, and champions league, league to MLS, to playoffs? MLS playoffs. Yeah. I'm going to say, huh. I'm going to say those are a little bit higher, higher in terms all of right, things. All right. Well, if that's your argument. 
Okay, so so we have to talk about one, two things. Okay, one, I wanted to talk about the lineup and how Douglas Costa didn't start. That's important. Let's talk about the anthem singer, though. Um, and I wanted to get to this before because it was a thing at the beginning of this. And if, if for those of you who are watching on TV uh, who weren't there, a 14-year-old uh, Addie Romero was who was uh, going to sing the anthem. Now, they had O Canada sung by another singer, um, and then it was uh, Addie's turn to, to sing. And she, like, I thought she was just, like, loosening up because I could see her from up in the press box. She was like moving around, moving her arms. And she was like, like, you know, it seemed like she was warming up and I'm like, okay, good. She's going to be good. No problems. And I, and I didn't think, you know, most of the time these things go off without a hitch. You don't have to think about it, but whenever they came time to do it, she couldn't do it. Like she was super nervous. Um, and you could see that she was freaking out and the whole deal. Now the other Anthem singer started, tried to like help her in terms of like gave her a hug and said, you can do this the whole deal. And apparently according to the other Anthem singer, if you read her story, they told her to just sing it. They're like, you sing it, you sing it because she's not going to be able to do it. And she's like, just wait, just wait. She can do this because she had heard her in warm ups and all this other stuff. So she waited and it was good. Maybe 45 to 90 seconds. I don't know. I get panic attacks whenever somebody else I see has a panic attack in a public situation. So I was like, Oh my, this is, this isn't good. Like I felt embarrassed for her. I was feeling all those emotions. Um, as well. And then she started singing the, the crazy or just before she started singing, everybody in the stadium was like, you can like you can do it. You could hear it. All of a sudden there was a loud cheer that sort of went around um, and stuff like that. And then so she starts singing and a loud cheers goes up as she starts singing like, yes, yeah, she's going to do it. And then at every pause, the crowd got into it again, was like, keep going, keep going. And so they went it, did it all the way through. She finished it. She nailed it, did a really good job singing it. Um, and then the the really interesting part and i wondered how it was affecting the players because the players were cheering for her and like you know that's sort of a weird position for players to be in too to sort of do it but she gets done and the players come over some from uh from vancouver some from the la galaxy they come over and they help her um and they like high five her and said what a good job she did and everything like it was like a moment that you don't normally see there and then chicharito comes over and basically walks her off the field telling her what a good job she was it was her mom was standing off the sideline. I could only imagine what her mom was going through as she's seeing her her daughter like freak out in front of you know twenty thousand. Well, there weren't twenty thousand people there at that time because it took everybody a while to get in and get settled. But you know what I mean? It was like just this moment. That moment, it seemed like there was already an energy in the crowd that that sort of led a bit. I'm not going to say it had anything to do with it, but you can't discount sort of how that started and how that happened in the galaxy fans that were around that were helping lift sort of this this 14 year old Addie Romero to get through that and then when the game starts the galaxy come out with a bunch of energy um, maybe maybe you can link those things maybe you can't but in my mind in the storybook that I write when I'm 90 years old those things are linked uh, well right. you just made me wonder what happened to Emma Malia yeah I told she's like in college now I'm sure she's in she's college six, seven, probably she's she's hooping it up somewhere yeah she's, she's She's got a boyfriend. She is busy. She doesn't have time to sing all the time for Galaxy Games because she's working on her her record. Um, and, you know, she has to do the music video for it. It's just she's very busy. Um, let's talk about the lineup here. Uh, Douglas Costa got benched. That's the big takeaway you should get from it. Also, it wasn't a 442. It was a 4-2-3-1. Or four three three, if you'd like. Uh, Greg uses those pretty much interchangeably in terms of how he talks about it. Um, but what we saw here, I think you're going to see a lot of down the stretch, and that is Douglas Costa not starting because Douglas Costa. And if you read between the lines, and if you heard Greg talking about what happened at Sporting Kansas City and what Costa did to the formation and how he left things ex exposed in that, Greg felt like he was. I, I think Greg felt like that was the end for that. Uh, and what happens is Costa comes in here. And he doesn't start. He comes on in the second half after the game is well in hand. Uh, you have an LA Galaxy designated player who is not going to be starting down the stretch. If it's if it's me, I think that Greg goes for the four two three one because talking to the players, they're more comfortable in it. The players he has now with Brugman in at defensive midfielder, the players he has coming in with with Ricky Bouge um, coming in as well. Um, there is there's just going to be a lot of things that fit the four two three one and getting Capral and Grand Sur on the outside as wingers, that's going to fit a lot better. And you're going to see like guys like Daniel Aguirre coming off the bench. You're going to see guys like maybe Adam Saldana coming off the bench. You're going to see other sort of substitutions. But I have a feeling, just looking at this, um, Kevin, that for me, that's your starting 11. Sort of here, outside of Ricky moving in for Victor Vasquez and, and those two things. As soon as Ricky can can start, he'll start, and then Victor will come off the bench for him. Um, there may be some times when they do some different things, but that's... I think that's your lineup. Well, can, let me talk about that Costa thing for a minute because you may have talked about it on another pod, but we know no one listens to the pod when I'm not on it. So 
if it didn't happen when I was here, they don't know about it. Um, I, I did talk to Vanny last week because there was that rumor that floated around for about 11 seconds that said that the Galaxy had a choice between Costa and, and Gareth Bale, and they took Costa. And I asked Greg about that, and Greg said, yeah, they did. You know, Gareth Bale was interested, or someone re- representing Gareth Bale reached out to the Galaxy. There were some discussions. Greg said he didn't really know who that was or, or how serious it was. But there were some conversations about Gareth Bale coming to the Galaxy. Now, it had it, it predated the Costa signing by six to eight months. So it wasn't like the Galaxy said, oh, we have Bale here and Costa here. We're going to take Costa. That wasn't the choice. It wasn't between Bale and Costa. There was a choice. It was between Costa and Pavone. The Galaxy had determined that they wanted Christian Pavone. Uh, according to Greg Vanny, everybody loved Pavone. And that meant everybody from the ticket takers up to the coaching staff that he left a really good impression. Remember, he played 33 games. He had, I think, it was 13 goals and 15 assists when he was here. Um, they really wanted him back. They thought that he was the perfect complement for Chicharito. Um, that was the guy they wanted. A deal apparently was agreed to but not signed because of the rape case that's still ongoing in Argentina. And, and Greg didn't actually say this, but he sort of intimated that they were ready to go with it, that they really felt like, like – like, you know, that, that perhaps the case would be dismissed and that there wasn't a there there. But when it wasn't, when the, when the case continued through court, the galaxy of position was, if they're not going to drop this case, there might be something there. We can't take that chance. And at that point, that was probably January, fe- early February of this year. Greg wanted everybody in camp uh, for training camp. They had to make a decision. And Greg said, once that first choice, which was Pavone in this case, once that first choice is gone, you need to pivot quickly because you're working with a DP. Now, I, you can argue that strategy. You can say, look, it's a DP. It's very valuable. Wait for the right person. But the Galaxy decided to pivot and get somebody. I never had the impression. I talked to Greg before and after Costa was signed in the, in the winter. I never had the impression that Greg wanted him. I don't know if he was forced on Greg by, the, by ownership. I don't know what the deal was. I never felt like Greg was really high on cost and he would say things like if he's healthy, if he applies himself, if he's motivated, that's not what you want to say about a DP. But the story is it wasn't bail for Costa. It was Costa or Pavone. They went with Costa and I don't think it's working out. Oh, you don't think it's working out. Are you going to go out on a limb there? I'm going to go out on a limb. <laughs> and I don't think he fit. I, in a lot of ways, first of all, I don't think he's motivated. He has had some injury problems. Um, and he doesn't fit the style of play that Greg wants. Maybe he could. Maybe Greg thought, look, if, you know, he can do a lot of different things. If he can fit in here, this will work. But he hasn't fit the way that Greg wants to play. No, um, no. And, 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 and I, I think he has lost his spot when Puig comes. When Puj comes in, I, I right. think you know Costa becomes a sixty fifth, seventieth minute guy. Let, let's uh, let's pause for just a, a quick second and have a quick. Uh, Ricky last name pronunciation guy just for everybody this is not this has nothing to do with you I just I spent time because I'm weird I spent time before the game on Saturday I went over and I talked to Michael Araujo uh, and I said I said hey Mike I go what do you uh, how are you going to say Ricky's last name and he says oh I'm going to say it. Uh, it and so we looked at the pronunciation guide the pronunciation guide very clearly says it's pooch P O O C H, right? Not, really? not correct. Not correct. And, okay. and Mike was like, Pooch. Mike's like, no, I, he goes, I don't think that's it. He goes, I think it's Pooch with a G before the C H. So think Pooch. You don't have to, you don't have to say the G, but you have to think the G. All right. But why did you ask Mike Larajo? Because he's the one guy that will never have to say that name. Not true. He had to say it that night. And actually that was funny. Cause he goes, okay. uh, he tells me, he, he won't mind me telling this, but he goes, he goes, don't worry. I don't even have to say his name. I go, uh, you will tonight at six 45. You're introducing him whenever he comes out on the field. And he goes, really? And he goes, let me go look at my things. So he turns, he goes, you're right, right there. That's where I have to do it. I'm like, yeah, I know. Cause the galaxy told me it was six 45. So I could tell people when they were doing. So I did that. Now, if you get Michael Rajos, okay, Kevin, you know you're in pretty good standing in terms of how to do it. But who's the other guy who's going to say it all the time on TV? Joe. Joe. So after I had had to use the, the, the men's restroom, I walked back. I saw Joe with his head outside of the studio. And I said, hey, Joe, how's it going? Because we had waved at each other a couple times earlier in that day, but we hadn't got a chance to say hi. He goes, good. And I said, hey, uh, quick question for you. I go, I was talking to Michael Rajo. I go, how are you going to say uh, Pooch's last name? And he goes, he goes, uh, Pooch. 
right? And I go, but there's like a G, right? He goes, yeah, you think the G, right? So we're all on the same page here. Think the G. It's like P-U-I-G-C-H. Now, don't that's, that's more pronunciation than it is spelling, but there's a little G in there. And in some ways, we think it's short sounding as well. So it's like pooch pooch. It's not pooch, right? You're not going to say that, except Mike gets to do that whenever he gets to announce him, if he ever gets to announce him. He goes, that's not really my thing being short. I go, yeah, I got it. 100%. So we're saying Ricky pooch, okay? That's how we're going to go with it. That's how we're rolling. That's how Joe's doing it. That's how Mike's doing it. That's how I'm doing it. I think if we have everybody on board, we can all get there. So pooch, okay? The big thing with him, though, is V-I-S-A. <laughs> His visa. Yeah, we still don't know. I actually uh, just texted the LA Galaxy while we were on here, just to see if there's any update. Although I was told that I would know because the LA Galaxy would announce it. And so I don't believe that has happened yet. So they have not announced it. But I, the story was he was supposed to go to Tijuana today. So so there was a story. We did, we haven't told the story. But there was a story that he was, as of the Thursday call that we had, um, the Thursday media availability, he was supposed to be there, was supposed to be introduced, that type of thing. There was rumors that he was he and probably Yovan or he and Yovan or he and Zach um, we're going to head down to TJ where they could get to an embassy and they could get they were in position to be ready to go if an appointment came up because there was hopes that it was coming up on Friday. That didn't happen in terms of the appointment coming up. So I don't know if they went down, but we're pretty sure they did. Um, but then they had to come back basically and, and not do it. But we knew that they were scheduled to have a a visa appointment today on Monday. And I announced that I think on uh, Friday, maybe? I think on Friday I got that information and I passed well, that along. I, I wonder if, if there was any, you know, there's been a lot of violence along the border. You know, In Juarez, they canceled the Liga MX game this weekend because of the violence along the border. And Tijuana was a place where there was a lot of a lot of violence um, in the, to do with narco uh, cartels and stuff. I wonder if that had any impact on this, whether they decided it was too dangerous to go or whether the embassy was closed because of that. It doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like there were any hiccups. We expect that he got it today. Um, and then we expect that that will be announced tomorrow. That's the expectation right now. Well, but he's supposed to be, he's supposed to do media on Wednesday. I imagine he will. And and they have set it up again in the TV studio. So that also indicates that he will be be available. But we'll see. Um, the whole deal. By the way, Logan asks says, "Why don't you guys ask Ricky how to say his last name?" One of the first things we ever do, Logan, whenever we actually get to talk to a player, being we haven't got to talk to him yet, we haven't been able to do it. But one of the first things we do is, how do you say your last name? And whenever we said that to Ryan Revelison, there was like seven different answers. So just understand that that doesn't always clear things up, although it should, and we have, and he gets to say it however he wants to do it. Um, because that was the whole, like, remember uh, Pulisic, whenever people were like, no, it's Pulisic. Or it's like they went through seven different things. They're like, this is how it says because it's of this descent and blah, blah, blah. And 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 Christian's like, no, this is how you say it. I'm telling you how I say it. This is how it says. It doesn't matter what like my last name is Guessman. Now, lots of people would want to pronounce it Gooseman because the G-U-E they, that would make a goo in there. And there's not two S's to sort of offset that. Right. So G-U-E. So lots of people call me Gooseman. Bottom line is we pronounce it Guessman. Is it spelled that way? Maybe, maybe not. And I get to say it however I want. So we're, we're going to call it Guessman. We never asked Zlatan how to say his name. Yeah, we, we knew that. Well, yeah, you should have. And I never got it right. I, I should have. Yeah. You and Jim Hill probably should have asked that question. But, you know, hey, it's uh, you learned some. You learned I did better than, at least I did better than Jim Hill, which you, is not you saying did. much. You did. It's El, very low bar. El Terrifico there. Um, so anyway, so we will uh, we will absolutely talk to him about it and we will ask him how he wants us to say it. So that'll be one of the questions. And if it's in person, it's a lot easier to ask that question, by the way, than it is on Zoom where you waste one of your questions asking how you pronounce somebody's name. You know, it'd be great. Maybe he took that Brazilian model and just said, just, I'm just Ricky. I'm just, just Ricky. Like, I, it, there's, I, I think was his, was, was his Jersey. Does it say Ricky Pooj on it? Like it says his full name. I think it does. I think it does. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, so yeah, that's, it's the whole deal. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to tell you, uh, to say it like Yasiel Puig. That's how he wants it. To yeah. Be said, I right? would say Yasiel was not a problem at all. Yeah. He's, he was happy. Puig was just great. Um, by the way, a big shout out to Francisco for the $5 super chat. Thank you for that, Francisco. Appreciate it. Um, so we get, from Francisco? what I was that? You no had... questions. He just wanted to give us money. And then here's, oh, okay. and then, and then Herb says, and then Herb comes in and Herb drops like the, have you ever been at Vegas? And like somebody comes in and drops, drops like, you know, you're, you're playing at the $5 table and they drop like $200 on something. You're like, Whoa, calm down. That's what Herb just did with his uh, $20 super chat. He says, Hey Josh, Hey Kevin, uh, Josh needs more sugar daddies. I agree with that hundred percent. Um, well, speaking of herb, yes, there there could be a herbal life uh, news breaking tomorrow. 
Really? Yes. The 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 I, and, and I I will preview that it's it's kind of secret right now, but right. I will preview this by saying you won't have to worry about buying a New Jersey uh, <laughs> next year. Yeah. Okay. Good. I I was. I have already warned everybody about that earlier this year. So I don't think anybody on this discord, on this chat room in any of these lives would be surprised by that. Right. And the longest and most lucrative shirt sponsorship deal in us professional sports history. Wow. Wow. Very good. Very good. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's horrible. I mean, overall, but it's very good that I guess the galaxy keep getting money. I don't know. We'll talk about it whenever it's official. I don't want to deal with that right now. Um, Galaxy getting into it. Let's talk about it. Sam Grant's here. Kevin Cabral. Uh, two of their best games as LA Galaxy players outside. Sam Grant's here created three goals. Uh, he scored twice. Uh, he created the handball that um, that was uh, called for the penalty kick eventually by VAR overturning it. It was pretty obvious it was a handball. Um, and Chicharito uh, uh, right down the middle, a little Panenka uh, right down the middle for that. So Chicha now scoring two penalty kicks in a row. Whoa, look out. He's on. A, that means he can't take any more for the rest of the year, by the way, because now he's met his quota of ones that he's made. Um, well, he's been taking them ever since Jovalich messed that one up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, Francisco says, um, he said he meant to have a question, but he forgot to add it. He says, uh, what do you think of getting rid of cost in the offseason if it's realistic? Um, I do think it's realistic. I do think that they know they made a mistake, and I do think that they're going to try to correct it. I don't know under whose authority they're going to do that. I don't know if they're going to be able to mutually terminate a contract, which is one of those things that I'm sort of sitting there saying maybe Costa wants to go too because he ain't going to be playing. Um, and I asked Greg about it after the game too. And Greg says that he thinks there'll still be situations where they'll need somebody more inverted. And so he will play. I just think that that's Greg saying that so that way Costa can hear it. I don't think that that's true. Um, watch. He'll probably start against Seattle. Um, the only option would be him going back to Brazil though. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I know European team. I don't think is going to be interested in him, at least not a big one. And, you know, he was playing in Brazil when the galaxy got him. He was on loan from a team in Italy, but through Brazil, I could see him going back and wanting to retire at home and play in the league there. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, but Alex going to have to pay. Yeah, the three million dollars they're going to owe him at the at the end of all this. So, um, let's talk just in terms of of the success that Grant Sear had. This is the Sam Grant Sear that we expected whenever he came in. Kevin, um, two goals uh, creates a whole bunch of chances. He he does all the dirty work with two wingers as well, and going against a three man back line in Vancouver, it was it was easy for Cabral to run. It was easy for Grant Sear to run. The funny thing is the Galaxy have so much speed on the wing with Cabral and so much speed on the wing with Grant Sear when they run that Chicharito's like 10 yards behind all the time, trying, which is good. It's a late run. It actually works really well. But overall, if you want to be concerned about anything in this game, I think the service to Chicharito wasn't there again. Um, you know, he didn't get a lot of the ball. Now, he dragged people in different directions and he caused problems and they were always aware of where he was. Uh, probably opened up some space for for Vasquez. Cabral's run really opened up space for Ga- Vasquez as well. Um, two of the more frustrating players for the LA Galaxy, though, uh, are, are Kevin Cabral and, and Sam Grantier. And for the most part, they are equally uh, frustrating whenever it comes down. But uh, the first goal, which was Cabral coming down the right-hand side and crossing over to Grantier and Grantier making a good finish uh, one time up above the keeper, all difficult things to do. Nailed that 100%. Grant Sear cutting inside and creating space and firing to the back post. We've seen him do it so many times. He usually misses. He didn't miss. Um, he put that one in. Uh, watching Victor Vasquez create a little space at the top um, with Cabral running in and across sort of to open up some different things. Chicharito dishes that out to Vasquez and Vasquez goes ahead um, and puts that and tucks that one in the corner, right? So you have these these goals that go. And then the final goal is the Efrain Alvarez, which is played to uh, Jovalich. Um, and Jovalich comes into the game, really does a good job of, of keeping uh, Vancouver occupied at that time. Also, uh, Vancouver goes down to 10 men um, on this. And the ball by Daniel Aguirre was absolutely stunning. Perfect uh, to Yovo. I think he has three assists already, right? Uh, he may. I, I, I'd have to check. But Aguirre is absolutely one of my favorite young players right now. Um, what he's able to do and the calmness in which he's able to do it, I, I'm a huge fan. I liked him in the preseason. Like him again. Somebody pointed out, Kevin, the LA Galaxy play better when Douglas Costa isn't available and whenever he's on the bench. And if you look at the preseason where we saw the LA Galaxy play and you were like, you know what? Yeah, it looks good. You're starting to see a lot of this. At the beginning of the season, uh, whenever Costa was hurt, right, and the Galaxy were playing, it's like, yeah, you could see them starting to build, and you had Grant Sear, and you had Cabral, and you had this thing sort of working together. 
now you see it again. The Galaxy pull him off, and their start that's a that's a was a really solid performance. Gave up two goals. Julian Araujo at, at fault for one of those for sure. Jonathan Bond communication issues with those as well. And then the goal by uh, Ricketts at the end there as well. Efrain Alvarez gets a left-footed goal. Jovalich with a great assist. Uh, the one thing to watch in the second half was Sasha Kleschen trying to get his 100th assist. And he, he put it into Jovalich and Jovalich went in and he shot it and he missed. And Sasha was standing behind him with his hands on his face like that was the one. That was the one. And so... I think you're going to see that through these last 10 games that when Sasha Kleshin comes in at the end of games, hopefully when the Galaxy are winning, watch for the Galaxy to look for Sasha Kleshin, watch for them to try to combine with Jovalich whenever it happens, because I think in a perfect world right now, if you ask Sasha Kleshin, if he could give the ball to anybody and have them score for his 100th sits, it's day on Jovalich. Um, and so I think they will they will force some of those things to happen, which I think will be fun to watch because Kleshin's a smart player and he knows how to do that. But that's what you get from this game. Um, Brugman, for me, continued sort of his good steps. Lost the ball in some places, Kevin, that I didn't like. Um, but also his ability to switch sides, his ability to keep the ball moving, his quickness. I think once you put Ricky into that center uh, there as well, the midfield for the LA Galaxy with Delgado and Ricky and uh, and Brugman gets very quick, and it's going to be hard to shut them down. That's the hope, I think, as you're going down these last 10 games. But for the Galaxy... I mean, take a lot of positives, take a lot of uh, confidence out of this. This is what this is what they wanted to have happen, Kevin, was this game. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I don't know that you can say anything for the Seattle game because you, everybody always wants to project to the next game. What happens now that I, I, I wouldn't go that far because we haven't seen this Galaxy team be able to do that. But looking at what they accomplished in this game, bad Vancouver team, they took advantage and they punished them over and over and over again. Um, and well, that's history something. tells us. History tells us they lay an egg, right? Because they haven't been able to follow up a win with a win since April. So history suggests that they're gonna have, they're gonna struggle on Friday. Yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, although the Galaxy have won two games in a row before, right? So, and we know this team tends to get up for big games, right? And this is a big they have game. Played very well against teams at the top of the standings, which is kind of weird. But I mean, for Seattle, Seattle's a good team. They're at the, they're just low in the standings. So to me, because they're a mature team, because they're a smart team, the Galaxy will come in with the right mindset for this. So I think that's really interesting uh, to sort of watch and and go that and, and sort of see how that goes. Um, I really like the shape the LA Galaxy had in here. Um, it, it is more of a little four three three. Um, whenever you look at it, with uh, Vasquez tucking up underneath Ch- Chicharito, but Grand Sur on the left and Cabral on the right, really stretching things. Brookman in the middle, Delgado sort of playing off of him. You know, you're getting Edwards pushed up, and again, Edwards and Araujo start this game when they haven't started the, uh, some of these games before. So overall, the shape was good. The Galaxy feel more comfortable in a four two three one. I know everybody wants to see them play Jovalich and Chicharito together. Well, by the way. I'm perfectly fine with starting Jovalich in any of these games. Not going to argue at all and have Chicharito come off the bench. Um, but as it stands right now, I think that they're definitely going to go to the 4-2-3-1. I think that's how it's going to stay for a good portion of this game uh, going down. Unless Greg wants to throw a wrench in things and be like, surprise people, because I think everybody saw that the Galaxy play better in the 4-2-3-1 whenever it happens. Um, let me get to this, Kevin. We'll, we'll continue on. But uh, $5 super chat from Gary. Gary says, a little late to the show. Good evening, fellas. What are the odds? He's starting on Friday. Starting in 50-50. Um, playing... I would say 99% as of right now. Um, so so keep that looking. And then a $2 super chat from Tim. Uh, we appreciate that, Tim. Thank you very much. Um, the problem with starting a guy, I mean, you know, remember Zlatan didn't start either. He came off the bench in, I think, the 71st minute. The problem with starting a guy, if he can't go, then you're into a very early substitution and probably a change of game plan, where if you game plan for him to come off the bench, you have to save a substitution at that point too because – what if he can only go 10 or 15 minutes and you bring him on in the 60th minute? So there is a lot of strategy involved, but I think it's much easier for you to game plan for him to coming in late as opposed to game plan for him to come out early if he starts. And we don't know, you know, I, I know in, in Spain it can get very warm. It was the summer there, but um, it's been over 100 degrees here and it's going to be hot Friday. Um, and probably you want to be more cautious. Uh, uh, you know, he's a young guy, very talented but he is going to change the way the team plays. I think it. I think it's much easier to game plan for him to come in late than for him to start and then come out early. Uh, for his work on Saturday, uh, you had Samuel Grandsir making the team of the week. Um, I actually voted for him for player of the week. Um, I, I didn't win that one, but that's okay. Pozuelo from Miami um, 
got that one. But I thought Grant Shearer was dominant um, in in sort of what he did on that on the day. So I was like, he's absolutely one of the best players I saw on the field that particular day. If you look at FOTMOB, um, they had Chicha at 8.1. They had Vasquez at 8.4 and an 8.8 rating for Grant Shearer. Um, and so, uh, you know, I really liked all of the way that the Galaxy played. I thought it was very good. If we're looking at points, Kevin, here we go. Target is 48. Even though we talked about 46, we're going to stick with 48. 48 points. They currently have 33 points now, which means they would need 15 points to reach 48. 10 games remaining, 30 points possible, which means, Kevin, that after the win on Saturday, still on pace for 63 points. They uh, just need half of them. They, they, they can get 63, though. If they just win every single game from here on out, they will get 63 points. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just saying they're going to just win it out. And, and I always say you can solve a lot of problems with winning. That would be one of the problems you could solve is just win. So put that graphic up again. Are you predicting who is going to win these games no. as well? No. Okay. No, no, no. I just have the points that were made. So next one is Seattle at home. And then, of course, it's New England and Toronto on the road, supporting Kansas City at home, which is a bad team. Um, Nashville. By the way, supporting Kansas City up 3-1 on Austin and lost that game 4-3. Um Sporting Kansas City, so Nashville at uh, Nashville away, Vancouver away. So you have to go up and play on the carpet in uh, in Vancouver. Uh, Colorado at home, San Jose away, RSL at home, and then of course Houston away to end the season. So uh, yeah, it's not it's not a good. I mean, they, this, apart from the Seattle game at home, it's a tough schedule. I mean, they got the Sporting Kansas City is the game they should win. They got that at home, so that's not helping them. Nashville, they have to go there. They do, as you said, have to play on the carpet. Um, Colorado, a game at home, that that's maybe advantageous. But uh, and then Real Salt Lake. But yeah, it, the schedule does not break the Galaxy's way uh, down the stretch. Okay, okay, let's talk about Victor Vasquez real quick. His son was visiting from Barcelona. His family lives in Barcelona, um, so they're His not. Son a, Leo. Yeah, Leo's named after Leo Messi, of course. Um, Leo uh, is is this is the first time he's been out here? I think this year. Uh, to sort of be there with Victor. And so um, he was actually standing in our press conference behind us. So I asked Victor about it uh, and he was, he was beaming. I didn't know that they also asked him about it on the field, whenever uh, Nikki and, and the spectrum folks were talking to him, but uh, asked him about it. And he was just smiling from here. He's like, he's like my good luck charm. He's going to be here for next week too. So maybe he's going to keep bringing us luck. And, and I think Nikki got it right, which was, uh, well, you can't let him go home if you, if you keep winning. So he's going to have to stay. Um, and a whole bunch of those things. So it was just it was just another little moment of uh, of things that are happening right now. So Victor Vasquez gets his first goal of the uh, of this season as well. So all good, all good things. You know, another thing about the schedule when they begin that after the Seattle game, they have uh, kind of a, a break. I think nine days, and then they go play New England and Toronto. Uh, they'll stay on the East Coast for that because there's only three days between games. But those two games, because of the San Jose game, moving back into September. Before the international break, the Galaxy are going to have to play seven games in 28 days. Um, and and again, talking about the schedule not breaking their way, um, that's having that San Jose game there is helpful because it gives them an extra game in hand over the rest of the, the teams they're competing with for playoff berth. But it jams up that schedule. Uh, the fixture crunch is really noticeable, I think. Uh, Jorge in the chat room asks if uh, if Ricky has trained with the LA Galaxy. Of course not, Kevin, because he doesn't have his visa, and that would be illegal for him to be working. So he has not trained with the LA Galaxy whatsoever, except that he has. Um, wink, wink. Yeah, I was. It like looked a lot like him, though. That was out on the field. This so is. I can't confirm it. I'm not there. I can't tell you that I saw him do it. I want to be very clear. But he's absolutely training, um, because that's what they do. That's what all the teams do. Um, so anyway, so he's going to be, uh, he's going to be, uh, I, I imagine available on Friday once that goes down. Um, we'll look at the standings, Eastern conference, Philadelphia out front with 48 points there. Uh, the games coming up for the LA galaxy, new England at 33 points and Toronto at 29. You know, if you were looking at the standings, Kevin, and you looked at Toronto, you would be sitting there going, oh man, that's a, that's good. You get to play the 12th team and, and they have the Italian revolution is out there right now. And those guys are just chowing down on teams. So Un- unbeaten in their last five. They, they are going to be, that's one of those teams that's stupid, ridiculous, couldn't make a push for the playoffs, even from where they're at. Maybe it's too late. I don't think it is, though. Um, I think that they might be there whenever this all, all the dust settles. The LA Galaxy jump into sixth place. We talked about that. Nashville on the same number of points, lower points per game for them. Uh, Nashville having played two more games than the LA Galaxy. So LA Galaxy, 33 points, 1.38 points per game where they're at right now, right behind RSL, who has 37 
um, points, but at 1.48 points per game. So as you sort of climb up, you can see Minnesota should technically be above Dallas right now in terms of the points per game. So keep an eye on that one. Um, so you know, those those extra games in hand the Galaxy have, you said two over Nashville and one over a lot of the other teams, that only matters if you win points in those games. Correct. If you do not get a point, it's it's useless. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it's it's one of those where you sit there. It's always nice to have a game in hand because it gives you it's hope, Kevin. That's what it is. It's yeah. hope. I and mean, everybody knows it's the hope that kills you, as we talked about. And, and in, this, in this case, just to be clear, it's it's the the game in hand is this the San Jose, San Jose game at Stanford. Yeah, that's added during an international break, which means the Galaxy probably won't be a full strength. It's not a it's not a, an advantage right now uh, for the Galaxy. Galaxy also jump up above the top 50 percent in terms of uh, the supporter shield. They sit in 11th spot right now out of all teams in Major League Soccer. There are 28 out of all teams in Major League Soccer. The LA Galaxy are in 11th right now. Uh, just keep that in mind in terms of general understanding of where this team is and how they're doing and, and just points. And if you get points in any of these games, it's going to move you or solidify you in the standings. That's what every single point is. If you get a point against Seattle on Friday, that's one more point that you have now earned that you can put in the bag that you could say is theirs and it's yours. And it's not theoretical. It is a point. Um, so as all of these things come down and there was a chippiness, Kevin. There was a chippiness in this game, right? Vancouver ended up getting a red card. Should have it was Dahomey. Should have already uh, already gotten a red card whenever that started. He actually hit Bond in the head. Nobody can understand why that wasn't uh, wasn't called. But uh, he eventually got a red card, his second yellow, as it, as it was, and and was ejected from the game. There was a chippiness to this game. Every single Western Conference game from here on out is going to have that same energy because everybody is fighting for a playoff position. Go to Nashville and play in Nashville and tell me it's not going to get chippy. It's going to get chippy. Uh, that means everybody needs to keep their heads. So Julian Araujo really needs to keep his head because uh, he got a stupid yellow card in this game. I think he's only technically going to be listed for three. It was his fourth yellow card of the season, which could mean he's on yellow card watch. But they do weird rules with forgiveness, and there was a whole big stretch between his first yellow card and his second one. My guess is they actually forgave one in there as it goes, so I think he's still on three, but that's something to watch. Derek Williams was suspended for the last game. So again, all these games are going to be chippy. Have to keep that in your mind as it goes. Weird schedule coming up, Kevin. Have you seen this weird schedule? Like just So LAFC is playing tomorrow on a Tuesday. Right. And then you have some Wednesday games, uh, Western Conference teams playing on Wednesday. Uh, FC Dallas is playing is hosting Philadelphia. And then you have Vancouver hosting Colorado. So that's Wednesday. Uh, and then you have the Galaxy playing Seattle on Friday. Right. So that's also going to be going on. And then you have a whole bunch of games on Saturday with Western Conference implications and then a whole bunch of games on Sunday. So it's all spread out Friday, Saturday and Sunday, plus some midweek games, including a Wednesday and a Tuesday. Um, that's a little, that's a little strange when you go and look at it. So, um, here's the upcoming LA galaxy schedule and we sort of talked about it, but coming up Seattle, then away to new England, away to Toronto, um, and so on throughout it. Remember just two games towards the end here, um, in October. So those are going to be important ones and we can see it. The last game of September is that makeup game. Uh, and right now at Stanford stadium still, see, we can, we can even confirm that. <sighs> yeah, that and and why do they always end the season with Houston? That seems like it's become a real traditional thing now. I don't know, and I don't like it. How about that? Can I say that? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, Dayan Jovalic, by the way, if you're keeping track, still scoring at a faster clip than Zlatan Ibrahimovic in terms of minutes per goal. I like to do it a little backwards. So 85, he's scoring one goal every 85 minutes. Zlatan was scoring one goal every 87 minutes. So just thought that was interesting. I'm just going to keep pointing that stuff out to everybody. Um, I think this was his ninth game at home with a goal or an assist. He wound up with the assist this time. I think it was seven. I think it was seven. Check it because I know Kevin um, over at the LA Galaxy was was doing it, um, was was sort of showing that. So Here it is. Uh, Dayan Jovalich has tallied, at least tallied, I hate that word, tallied at least one goal or one assist in seven. You're right. Yeah. Consecutive games played at home. He has eight goals and three assists dating back to May 29th. Yep. Yep. That's where it stands. You can see it. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Galaxy dropped from their season low in terms of standings, both in the Western Conference and Supporter Shields, to bounce back up significantly in both of those. Um, so now sitting, as we've talked about, in uh, in sixth and I think in 13th. Is that what it is? 14th? 13th. 13th. 12th? You want to you you 14th? You 17th. You want another stat? Yeah, go ahead. Javier, Javier Chicharito Hernandez has tied Alan Gordon for 10th place all time in Galaxy history in goals scored. I think I think I remember hearing about that uh, in our in our press conference. Certainly. Um, 
here's another fun thing. Uh, you want to look at the Galaxy's success at the beginning of the season, and it all comes down to scoring the first goal. We've talked about that so many times ad nauseum. Yeah, you love that. It, it is. But it also, Galaxy 9-1-1, when they score the first goal, 1-10-1 whenever they allow the first goal. It is simply that simple for this LA what? Galaxy team. Score what? the first goal. Jonathan Bond talked about that. I think it was Jonathan Bond. He talked about how it's a young team and an emotional team, and and they don't know how to play from behind. Yeah. Or why well, he didn't say it that way, but that, I think that was his intention that they struggle when they have to play from behind, when they have to chase the game, getting ahead and holding on to the lead. They don't have a problem there. And when they get behind, things tend to snowball because they try to chase the game and then they wind up making mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I still think that's part of it. Uh, let's get to rumors real quick because there were a couple different rumors that were sort of going around. Uh, we still have the Araujo, Julian Araujo going to Porto. Now, there are rumors about some players that possibly could replace him. There's a guy who's playing in the Israeli league that has been apparently linked to the LA Galaxy. Really, really thin sort of linked. So, like, you know, there's a Twitter tweet about it. That's about it. There's one tweet about it. And everybody's sort of like, okay, is this real? Is it not real? I don't know yet. We'll, we'll check it. Uh, Efrain Alvarez, we've heard the stories about linking him to Chivas, um, but he could also be linked to Puebla right now. So another league MX team um, also looking at, at, at Efrain Alvarez and both of those to me make sense. Now there was one rumor that came out today for about an hour um, and then it disappeared quietly as it should have gone. It should have gone gone. It should have disappeared a lot louder actually. Um, but it was that the LA Galaxy denied a move by Kevin Cabral to go to Red Bull Leipzig. That's I. So so what you're telling me is that Leipzig wanted to buy out Kevin. This was according to the the story. They wanted to buy out Kevin Cabral's contract, which is significant because he was signed for five years. Uh, wanted to buy out his contract and then bring him in. People who watch Red Bull. Um, they say that there's zero chance that that would ever happen because they already have players in a position. Why would they spend all that money to do that? That it doesn't make any sense. Um, and so, I mean, the, the, we have to, <laughs> let's do the smell tests. First of all, Kevin, you'd have to be like, okay, so who would want Kevin Cabral? Because that's where you have to start. And the answer is probably not a lot of people right now. And it's certainly probably not Red Bull Leipzig. And that's sort of uh, after about 45 minutes of this rumor circulating, that story disappeared. Um, and so it went, it went away quietly. Um, so I don't believe that. I don't believe, I personally believe that Greg Vanny is very invested in Kevin Cabral. So the quotes, at least coming from him, the, the quote unquote quotes, and it wasn't even quote. It was like, he said this, right? So it was, it was, again, it was rumor was that he thinks Kevin Cabral is going to turn it around. He really believes in him the whole deal. You could probably find some quotes that he, where he said that about Kevin Cabral. I think that Vanny is very invested in what Kevin can do and he's and he's confident that he can turn it around, which means likely that, that Kevin Cabral doesn't leave this season. And I think a lot of people are saying, oh, maybe he could get loaned out. I thought maybe a loan might work, that type of thing. I don't know what the Galaxy have in their cards, but I could see Greg Vanny being attached to a kid like Kevin Cabral. That being said, if somebody was going to offer a whole bunch of money to take Kevin Cabral off their hands right now, you would be an idiot not to take it. Well, I think the thing with Cabral is when the Galaxy signed him, uh, my recollection is Vanny had said he was scouting him even when he was at Toronto. This was a Vanny guy as opposed to Costa, which was not clearly not a Vanny guy. So he's invested in Cabral for whatever reason. There's something about him he saw that he liked, that he projected that this guy was going to be better than this. And I, you you just get the opportunity. I mean, look at what he does. Costa's on the bench. Cabral continues to start, even yeah. though I think we can agree he's played poorly. He continues to get the opportunity to go out and prove himself Whereas I think I, I think you're right. I think he's done with Costa. So he's a he's a Vanny guy for better or for worse, and I think he's going to get every opportunity. The interesting thing is Vanny keeps talking about how he sees all these positive things. He keeps telling us that Vanny never says anything bad about a player in the press, and that's clearly a strategy. Other managers talk bad about players in an in a, a attempt to sort of fire them up. He doesn't say anything bad about anybody. I wonder what he's saying behind closed doors, though, because – you know, we can see there are some deficiencies in, in Cabral's game and things that he needs to do better. And I wonder how much Vanny's making that point. Greg, I mean, Greg tells you, I mean, you can talk to him about Cabral. He'll say he's got to finish. He, and he's even said it for a guy who has a designated player tag in that position. He has to have the stats to back that up. And he doesn't. He goes, he likes things that he does. He likes the positions that he's in. He doesn't like the fact that he doesn't finish. But if he can make passes like he did to Grand Sur and things can start connecting for him and he can rack up the assists and he can stretch defenses with his speed because absolutely his speed is a benefit. Uh, Vanny also said that uh, outside of the Sporting Kansas City game, so the one before this one, he has never seen Kevin Cabral tired, 
right? So that's another thing that works in his advantage is his ability to work and work for 90 minutes um, and put in a performance in terms of, you know, the work rate that can still get him, make him be a dangerous player. Quite honestly, the Galaxy being vertical uh, and with Brugman's help, I think more vertical, but being able to be vertical with Cabral and Grand Sur on the outside opens up so much room for them. You have to get some finishing for those guys because that's eventually going to draw out defenses and do things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, I, I thought that there was probably a good chance that Cabral would be loaned out um, this this offseason, this winter, that there was going to be a chance to move him. I still think that that's a possibility. Uh, where it goes because the production's not there, even if the work rate and a lot of other things are. Um, but we'll see. We'll, well see. One thing about one thing about Cabral, and he may not fit into this as nicely as Costa, but one of the things that Greg did say to me when we were talking about the whole Bale Costa, Araujo, or uh, Pavone thing is, he said it's great to have big names, great to bring in big, big, big names, but if they don't produce. It's just another player that doesn't produce. It doesn't it, it doesn't matter what the name is. It doesn't even matter what the salary is. If you bring in a player and you expect him to produce and you bring him in for a reason doesn't produce, that's a failure for everybody. And and again, you know, I, I don't I don't think he's given up on Cabral. I do I do agree with you. I think Costa's probably in the doghouse a little bit right now. Well, it's funny because the Costa thing sort of going back, right? You talked about remember whenever Derek Williams called out players for not following the game yeah, that's plan. Exactly what I was thinking when you brought that up it's, earlier. To me, like if you go back and you start playing this, Jonathan Bond said the same thing, right? And so Bond and Williams both called people out. And we were all assuming Efrain Alvarez, Julian Rajo. That's what we were assuming. I think it was pointed at, at Douglas Costa. Um, some people I, I was talking in the Discord and I said you know, the way that he screwed up the game plan in Sporting Kansas City, Greg doesn't tolerate, right? And you could see it. And I talked to Greg after the Sporting Kansas City game, especially about Costa. And I could sense the frustration that was there, that he wasn't following the game plan, that he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, that he was leaving players exposed. That's why Gasper got exposed multiple times on the night um, in the Sporting Kansas City game. Uh, and everything's linked. And so you have to understand what's going to happen. And I think that he put Costa on that side specifically so he wouldn't cut inside as much as he did, that he would try to stay on the outside a little bit more so he would keep the field wide. Um, and he kept cutting inside and then losing the ball inside. And that is just recipe for disaster on counterattacks whenever you have a guy who's cutting inside. And now there's an open lane back behind Chase Gasper and all those fun things that happened in that game to exploit the spaces that, that Costa was giving the ball up. You can see it now if you go and you link Jonathan Bond's comments and you link, you know, um, Derek Williams comments and you look at what Costa has done when he's on the field. And even whenever he comes on the field in the second half, I didn't necessarily love his 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 positioning, his discipline on positioning. Um, I think that's who they were talking about. And somebody said, we'll get him out of the locker room because he's clearly a poison to the locker room. And I will say, no, I mean, yes, you need to get rid of him. However, you need to get rid of him. But at the same time, don't worry about the locker room. And I've said this and I know people think I'm crazy. Don't worry about this locker room. It is okay. It's fine. The guys are good. You have good leaders in there with Victor Vasquez and Sasha Kleshin and Chicharito. Those guys aren't going to let this locker room get out of control. And they're not going to let somebody like Douglas Costa come in and wreck it either. They'll just ignore him. They'll push him to the side. They'll do what Greg Vanny is doing, which is making him a bench player, right? Nothing humbles somebody, especially whenever this comes then then like Douglas Costa putting him on the bench. Um, and so, uh, we'll see, we'll see if that continues. I really feel strongly that the galaxy are going to play four, two, three, one here on out. Um, I feel like the consistency in the starting lineup is going to be fairly consistent outside of injuries and getting Ricky into this team from here on out. So what, what did, do formations matter, Josh? Yes, they do. Oh, and Bruce says, no, they don't. I, I, Bruce is, Bruce is, I understand where Bruce is coming from. He's not full of it. And certainly I'm a Bruce disciple, uh, having watched Bruce coach and, and being close to him for all those years. I understand, but they do matter. They matter in terms of how the team is set up, and the four-two-three-one sets up so much better for the Galaxy. That's what Vanny wants to play. Four-two-three-one, four-three-three. That's what he wants to play. By the way, this game coming up in New England, I, I predict that this is the last time the Galaxy will face a Bruce Arena team. Bruce is in the last year of his contract, and he's seventy-one, I think, seventy, uh, and apparently um, wants to do something else. So I, I think this will be the last time the Galaxy will see Bruce Arena. Um. Should yeah. it, should he have a statue in front of the stadium? Uh, should Bruce have? A, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Siggy should have one too. Um, if we're talking about coaches, uh, yeah. Doug Hamilton should probably have one. Um, it's not that much space. We still got to get Kobe in there. Kobe, Robbie Keane. Yeah, 
There's still, I mean, there's some, there, you got to find some, some difference. Kino needs to get the next player one, though, for sure. Uh, no, Kobe does. This is what I oh, argue I all the time. Kobe. Yeah, yeah, Kobe, but I also, if you go Robbie Keane, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue. People will get mad, but yeah. I don't, I'm not going to argue. And as a matter of fact, uh, Galaxy History tweeted out today, today was the day the LA Galaxy signed uh, Robbie Keane in 2011, 2011. Yeah, I think he played like 12 or 13 games uh, to close scored, out the season. Scored in his debut. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, Anyway, what the Robbie Keane statue, I think, should have him doing the somersault. He should. Yeah. Where he's coming out of it with like his hands. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Like how, yeah. how he used to do. Um, let's get you at least a little bit in uh, prepared, I guess. Um, just looking ahead to what's coming up on Friday. Because it is. Kickoff. Yeah, it is rapid. It's a fr- Yeah, it's a week. It's a weekend or it's a weekday technically on a Friday. And they're going to have it go at 708. So that means that the stadium will be absolutely empty when they kick off. Yeah, I need to leave in like 10 minutes to get there on time Friday. Yeah. Um, Friday, Friday afternoon traffic. Uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, ESPN and ESPN Deportes, uh, August 19th, 7 p.m. is the TV start time. 7.08 p.m. is your kickoff. So just an eight-minute lead-in for the ESPN folks. Uh, just a reminder, uh, let's see. Do, do, do Galaxy haven't beaten Seattle since September 23rd of 2018. That's eight games without a win. There's three draws in those eight games, Kevin. So just in case you were playing the home game about how good the LA Galaxy do against Seattle. I will also say that a lot of these stats tend to be the Galaxy haven't beaten X team in a long time because the Galaxy have sucked for a long time. So that's usually whenever that comes into play. Yeah, yeah but but what are the, what's the result between the Galaxy and Seattle after you and I go get pupusas? I don't, we haven't, I don't think we've checked that box yet. Okay. So so we'll have to see. It's a reset game for sure. Um, let you know that it was the highest goals scored uh, for the LA Galaxy. Let me go over the, some stats that I gathered, at least before we close this out. Uh, highest goals scored for the LA Galaxy this year. They have one game where they scored five goals. They have two games where they scored four goals. They have one game where they scored three goals. Seven games where they've scored two. Seven games where they've scored one. And six games where they've been shut out. Uh, if you look at the Galaxy given up goals, the Galaxy have given up one game with four goals. Uh, they've had, uh, uh, six games where they've given up three goals. They've had two games where they've given up two goals, eight games where they've given up one goal and they have the seven shutouts that are there as well. So, uh, all interesting. I I will say this about the Seattle game just before we close everything out and before we leave. Um, it's very interesting. And I I stole this from our discord. Somebody in our discord put this in, uh, which was, uh, Seattle is like, it's a trap. And the galaxy are like, it's a trap. It's like a trap game for both teams, right? Because they're like, Seattle's like, this is the chance for us to pick up points because it's the yellow galaxy and they're bad. Right. And the galaxy are like, this is our chance to take out Seattle because Seattle's not playing well. This is the chance. So it's like, it's a trap. It's a trap. Both teams are in a trap game, which hardly ever happens. But this is, this is one of those particular ones where they galaxy are in a trap game and Seattle are in a trap game all at the same time. And, and, and there's no, there's no reason for the galaxy to hold back at all because they have, I think nine games before their next, before they play again. Nine days, yeah. Nine days before yeah. they play again. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's, they're set and Seattle, I think played on Sunday. So technically one day less rest and they have, and to, they travel. have to travel. I mean, I don't know. Brian Schmetzer also owns Greg Vanny, so um, we'll see if that little curse can be broken as well. So it's lots. You of know, anytime you talk to Greg about his Toronto days or about MLS, any any time he has a chance to mention that game, he goes right to we we lost an MLS Cup where the other team didn't even get a shot on goal. Dude, so much so favorite. So uh, we're in the we're, we're, yeah we're in the press conference after the game and. Um, Greg was already saying, like before he even got on stage, he was joking around with us. You always know he's, they're going to be in a good mood after a win, but Greg was already joking around with us. We were talking and Scott French asked, he goes, you know, Greg, um, this was the first time the galaxy has scored four first half goals since the Bruce arena years. And Greg goes, did they win a championship that year? And, and he goes, no, it was 2016. He goes, darn, I was trying to hope for a connection. Like he was trying, he was trying to be like, oh, well this could happen. I can give you the connection. The connection is, once again, that in 2012, the LA Galaxy had the same number of points and then it went on and won an MLS Cup. I'm giving you that. I'm also going to tell you that this is the point in the season where the LA Galaxy at 33 points this year and 38 points in 2021. So they had five less points. But we know that the LA Galaxy in 2021 were on their nine-game winless streak where they were losing games left and right and couldn't do anything. So that 38 points is likely to sit there for a little while. Yeah, yeah, but Scott was onto something because what happened in 2016, they went to the conference finals. They did, did they? 2016? Well, Colorado, they lost, remember, they mm. lost the second leg on the penalty kick. Is that the um, is that, is that the year they would have won if Nigel DeYoung would have stayed? Yes, Okay. that okay. is the year. 
Yeah. And Gerard and, and Keane were both on the bench for that game. Ah, oh, yes. Although Gerard did come on. Gerard did come on, and I think he missed a penalty kick in the shootout. So, 2016 was a good year. They made the playoffs. They went deep in the playoffs. That hasn't happened since then. Yeah. Uh. So I mean, yeah. I mean, it's you're coming. They made 2019. You're right. Playoffs. That was it. 2019. Even that feels but like a long time. Two games, one win. Yeah. Um, they won in Minnesota and lost at LAFC, and that was it. Uh, BB in our chat room gave us a two dollars super chat. Appreciate that. Always appreciate the show and beat Seattle is uh, their message. So I think that about does it for us. Are you good? We can cut this off. We're good. We're gonna put everything. Down. I have a meeting at like eight a.m. tomorrow up in LA, so we could go to bed. Yeah, and I've got to get on the road to get to the game on Friday. By, yeah, by Friday. That's a good idea. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? We good? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. You ready? No. Okay. Right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Uh, please head on over there as soon as you possibly can. And of course, go to latimes.com where Kevin does all this wonderful uh, news news articles there. He also has his newsletter that's coming out as well. Make sure you sign up for that, latimes.com, for Kevin's wonderful coverage of soccer here in Los Angeles and around the world. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, on our YouTube page, podcast, anywhere. You can find it all. Just type in Corner of the Galaxy. You'll find your podcast. Make sure you leave us a rating, a thumbs up, all those fun things. We super appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful Monday. Hopefully it's a good rest of the week as the Galaxy get ready for Seattle on Friday. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato-Gessman, and you've been listening, you've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.